welcome to Health Matters, Sonoma's weekly program devoted to health and well-being. Each week through interviews, editorials, and listener participation, we will explore topics and issues of contemporary medicine and its relationship to the lifestyles of our community. Our goal is to provide you with information and resources to help you achieve and maintain what you deserve, a happy, healthy, and productive life. I'm your host, Dr. Ned Hoke, a veteran in natural methods healthcare, speaking with you today from Sonoma Valley, California, for an hour of health topic digestion and discussion. Please stay with us. And yes, welcome back to Health Matters. Uh, Ned Hoke with you again, uh, fortunately, on this uh, grayish, not totally unattractive day. And I do have a good show for us today, I believe. Um, the principal part of the program, we're going to be talking to Angela Druda. Angela Druda is the author of a book called The Tao of Rejuvenation, Fundamental Principles of Health, Longevity, and Essential Well-Being. It might be the best book I've read in a long time about the general topic, and in some parts it's probably the best book I've ever read on the topic. So... For those of you who have some interest in rejuvenation and how to, what it means, how to do it, how to look at it, how to, how to put your mind on the topic, uh, Angelo is, is is a fine, fine, deep and powerful teacher. He'll be with us in about ten minutes, I believe, uh, eight eight minutes, I should say. And then at at the uh, last third of the hour, we'll be joined by some folks from TaylorMade, some new people, some new. Uh, Actually, uh, neighbors here in the neighborhood are going to be talking about an upcoming program about coffee. So the last half of the program, or last third of the program, is coffee. The first two-thirds of the program, after I do the announcements, is with Angela Druda, Angelo Druda. So for our announcement period, I want to remind our listeners upcoming that the good news, again, I call it, I call it good news because anytime Leslie Murphy teaches, it's good news. And she's doing a yin yoga workshop at the Fairmont uh, this weekend, on, or this this Sunday, I believe, on this on the thirtieth, and uh, I've got something in my face here that I have to change. Excuse me for a second. Yes, and um, it's let's see. She's got over twenty years of practice. She focuses on the power of the mind and showing up in the present moment. The first hour will be active practice, including sun salutations, standing poses, and back bends, followed by long, deep, slow stretches. The following hour will be allowed for meditation and relaxation. This is at the Fairmont. She's a wonderful teacher, May the 30th, I believe that's Sunday. For more information, you can call the spa. Oh, one of the other nice things about it is when you do the class, you get to spend as much time at the spa that day as you like. For more information, call 877-289-7354. That's for uh, Leslie Murphy's class on yin yoga workshop at the Fairmont. Uh, Thursday, uh, that sooner, the Sonoma Ecology Center and the Sonoma County Agricultural Open Space District will be leading a full moon evening hike at the uh, Calabasas Creek Open Space Preserve. That's on Thursday, May the 27th, which is tomorrow, between 6 and 9 p.m. 
The educational hike will be led by uh, Sonoma Ecology Center's historical ecologist, Arthur Dawson. Attendees can bring a picnic dinner and enjoy the Calabas Creek Open Space Preserve under the moon. Dawson, historical ecologist and Sonoma Valley poet, will share poetry, moon myths, and some history at the site. This is a very popular hike, so attendees are encouraged to sign up early. To do that... um, you are invited to call uh, the Open Space District, I believe. Let me see if I can find that number, and I'm losing it here. Ah, 996-0712. And that's for the Thursday full moon hike for the Ecology Center and the Sonoma County Agricultural Preservation and Open Space District. I'd like to do that myself. I'm not sure I'll be in town, but I'd like to do it. Um, upcoming... <clears throat> For between June the 1st and August the 15th, which is uh, six whole weeks, the yoga community is offering a new client special, 10 classes for $30, which is quite a bargain. And the offer is valid only for those who are brand new to the yoga community. But anyway, for those people who've been thinking about yoga, possibly imagining about yoga, what yoga might mean for them, well, 10 classes for $30 for 30 days is a pretty good bargain, and you won't beat it anywhere else. So uh, the yoga community is at 577 5th Street West. Their phone number is 935-8600. Let's see. What else do we have in the announcement period here? Well, I just want to remind our listeners for that uh, Tuesdays in the same time period, or actually one hour later, begin, be, it began August, April the 6th. Uh, Heather Morgan is doing the Body Talk class. This is about healthy living in Sonoma style. And uh, she's got a, a, a quite an interesting orientation toward all kinds of things that involve nutrition and well-being. So that on Tuesday, for, body, for those people who want to listen to a health care program, Body Talk at 2 p.m., here at KSVY Sun FM 91.3. Now, headed toward Angela's class, I wanted to read Angela Druda's book. Just When I went to Amazon, it was fun because uh, all 10 uh, people who wrote about the book, they gave it the, the top rating. Listen to what they say. By, by far the one of the most unusual, comprehensive, and thoughtful books on radical rejuvenation I've read in years. Although with sections on right diet and conscious exercise, the book offers a wealth of information on cultivating and purifying the blood, heart regenerators, rebalancing the nervous system, yin and yang supporting foods for the kidneys, practical organ alchemy, supportive herbs, to name a few. The book seamlessly integrates the body, mind, and spirit, and one that I found outshines itself with tremendous knowledge of both the ancient and modern healing worlds, all presented in a basic manner that the reading reader can easily follow and use. That's why I love the book so much, because it's, it's as somebody says in some of the later things, it's, it's the, here, here it is, Final, finally an operating manual for the human body. Um, Druda manages to explain the most technical and esoteric aspects of health and well-being with great clarity. Um, another person writes, um, if you want to learn how to live like the 100-year-old Tang Dynasty Taoist and still drive your Audi, Audi around town, indulge yourself in this rich collection of life habits you should already be doing as a matter of course. 
goes on and on. This, this, uh, when was the last time you read a book on health that held your attention from the first to the last page while telling you really important things you never heard before? I read a lot of books on the subject of diet, exercise, and optimum well-being. The Tao of rejuvenation really is different. It gave me a completely new perspective on the process of health and healing, a perspective I've never really heard before. And then some. The author, Angela Druda, appears to be that very health practitioner who is at once deeply grounded and truly open to the living spirit above. The result is a body of practical instruction and integrated wisdom that I now consider absolutely essential for anyone who cares really about and who cares not only about living longer, but living truer and happier as well. The book really has great scope, literally from birth to death. If it were up to me, I would it, it would be on the curriculum of every medical school in the country. By the way, every friend with whom I've shared this book has thanked me profusely. Now I give it as copy. I give copies as gifts. We're, again and again, people are saying, this is a great book. And I didn't even know about it until I joined uh, uh, Angelo at a, a work, workshop recently in uh, Calistoga. And I forgot to bring, wouldn't you know, I forgot to bring it to the studio today, some of the information about that workshop, which I meant to have as part of the, today's program. So there. So I forget things. So he should be with us just momentarily here. So while we're waiting, uh, maybe what I'll do is I'll go to the book here. And let's see. Angela, don't forget the phone number, okay? Let me read some of the... um, some of the pieces of information here about himself. He said, he says, growing up, I always wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to put the love of chemistry to work in a noble vocation, helping to alleviate some of the suffering I saw around me. In high school, the family doctor noticed my passion and took me in and let me hang out around the office with him from time to time, showing me the medical books and pictures of the human body and some of the amazing devices that are on doctor's shelves. He goes on a little later, and he says, The scientific pioneers of the Western Enlightenment, men like Koch, Fleming, and Pasteur, became my childhood heroes. Right up there were the legends of the Brooklyn Dodgers. Their work grounded me in a valuable realism that remains with me to this day. Uh, let's see. The uh, I began to drift from the early dreams into the Eastern philosophical teachings as they began to arrive in the West. Um, his, his, his first exposure to uh, rejuvenative, rejuvenative medical teachings came with the study of early Western naturopaths and the turn-of-the-century eclectics uh, herbal doctors. These doctors spoke of the virtues of right diet, livelihood and action, and the medicinal powers of herbs. Um, just through applying what they taught, I was able to transform my life from one driven by confusion and self-indulgence to something entirely more enjoyable. Here's Angelo. Welcome, Dr. Druda. Hey, Ned. How are you, man? Hey. Hey. Well, you made it. I'm so glad. Because I was... <laughs> you, you were worried. <laughs> no, not worried. But I, was, I had just read about, I had just read our audience, the, uh, some of the preface, actually, and we were just talking about how you're, you, we, you'd been exposed initially to in, you know, naturopaths and how that had driven you from 
taking you from confusion and self-indulgent to something entirely more enjoyable. <laughs> so it's, at that, that very moment you called, which is an absolutely perfect moment, you see, for you to come and, and, and join us in Health Matters. So thanks thanks so much for joining us, Andrew. Well, thank you, Ned, so much. Yeah, because um, so much of what you talk about in this wonderful text is is a kind of a, a, a restorative journey that you, you can just feel the words that you use, it it embraces your own journey, but it embraces the journey of the society of around you, and and it's it, it it's somehow it's filled with many voices, not only your own. Exactly. And and I think that that's part of its power is is that it has the it has the gift of that larger voice, if you will. It it, it speaks for a, a whole tradition, really. Right. And yeah. so, and and so, maybe what so our listeners, I didn't really get a chance to talk about you, in the sense of let, let, what you're doing today. Let's let's talk ex- just so that people know exactly kind of where you are and what you what your life is like today a little bit, so they get a sense of what your current life is about, and then maybe we'll go back and and wander through some of your earlier experiences. So, give our listeners a little taste of of who Angela Drudo is today. Well, I'm sitting here in Northern California on a beautiful ridge okay. in my clinic, surrounded by uh, herbal medicines, acupuncture needles, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that kind of thing. And, okay. and I've essentially spent the morning uh, taking care of uh, <clears throat> the people who have come to me for help and uh, mm-hmm. get, getting their medicines ready for them. And that, that's pretty much what I do every day. And Occasionally, I get invited to speak on a radio show like yours, or do a little seminar in person here and there. But that—that's pretty much what I do. I get out of bed in the morning and I serve the people who uh, come to me for help. Well, and let's talk. We we met just very recently at the Calistoga Institute's first seminar on on uh, the heart. Maybe what you might want to do is share our listeners uh, your perception of what that what that meeting was about, and, and maybe talk about a highlight or two of things that, that touched you about what the meaning of the intention of that seminar was about. Well, there were many voices uh, on that weekend, as you well know, right. uh, from uh, Mark Wexman, a, a fine cardiologist in San Francisco, to Thomas Cowan, a medical doctor in San Francisco from the Anthroposophical School, uh, public health nurses from Napa and Calistoga and authors, Len Zaputo, the, the fine doctor, was there. And and there were many, many voices about heart health. And, and not only did we receive some excellent clinical information, and I should mention there was also the Eastern modalities there. Stephen West uh, spoke from the Ayurvedic point of view. I spoke from the traditional Chinese medical point of view. And it was a, a weekend in which many voices really spoke to the whole matter of heart health. And uh, some people even talked about uh, disparities in economic issues, how that affects heart health. So it was not only clinical data, but it was also sociological data, or just you know, how, how life is we're living it, how it's actually impacting heart health and heart longevity. And I, th- and I think one of the things that touched, I don't know if you heard uh, Dr. Cowan's presentation, but this business of he, 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 he uh, 
undermined the concept of the heart as a pump. Did you hear that presentation? I certainly did. Yeah, and and yeah, that might be of interest to our audience. There was just to just to grab one little piece that might really sort of knock people off their their pins a little bit and say, "Oh my gosh, you you mean the heart isn't a pump?" Say a little bit about that and how that story touched you, if you wouldn't mind. Well, you know, his probably his most graphic image was that if you took all of the circulatory pathways uh, that the heart needs to pump blood through, uh, those pathways would reach from the West Coast to the East Coast. And then he was saying, you know, uh, an organ the size of the human fist does not represent the kind of power to actually do all of that pumping work. And uh, he, he gets into quite an interesting theory that, you know, there's pumping sensations coming from the feet, and uh, it's it's familiar and similar to some other theories about how the blood is spiraling in the body. And how utterly different this is from the perspective of this heart. Is this just this, is this totally dedicated muscle to the, that it's, it's, its purpose is, its purpose in life is to pump all this blood through. And the thing is to take heart, to take the heart out of the sort of central pump idea that basic, what he claims is the basic wrong idea of, of fundamental physiology. It, 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 it lends itself to a tremendous, um, transition of human thinking in terms of how to, support and maintain life in the ways that you and I are familiar with in terms of dealing with stagnation and dealing with the vibrancies of all different kinds of energetic systems and not only putting so much emphasis on merely the heart as the center of it all. Well, exactly. And, you know, and he, he was really the iconoclast at the event. <laughs> he certainly he, he was. He was really coming in with some points of views, uh, particularly even, uh, you know, lowering the LDL cholesterol was really not the issue. Right. Uh, the body is actually manufacturing natural heart tonics from the cholesterol. Uh, to saturated fats may actually be good for the heart. I mean, he 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 turned the whole the whole <laughs> event on its end. Right. Because exactly. he was just absolutely came from a diametrically uh, different point of view. And and utterly stead, quite steadfast, you might say, in his point of view as well. Absolutely. But, <laughs> I mean, was, uh, <laughs> but I think what I want our no listen- ambiguity on his part. Yeah, no, right. Well, what I also want our listeners to be aware of is there is this thing called the Calistoga Institute that is run by some pals of yours. So maybe you might share with the listeners a little bit about kind of the formation of that group of people and and what how you see them they've they've had this inaugural presentation and h- how do you see them developing this idea and what part do you think you may have in it well you know I, i'm not one of the founders of the calistoga institute as you indicate they are my friends and longtime right. associates right uh the calistoga institute is founded on the whole principle of regenerative health founded in inherent unity so it's it's regenerative help but they're also talking about a unifying spiritual principle and they're also talking about community i mean seeing that the uh, part of of what's necessary in our human development is a restoration of this intimate local politics and so the institute is really offering education founded on that point of view uh they opened up with the surprising new science of heart health. And uh, I believe the next one they're going to do will be on food and exercise. Mm. And, of course, 
there are movies like Food Incorporated out there now, and people like Michael Pollan, and uh, that this whole issue of human beings getting uh, control of the food again uh, could be very interesting. And and one of the things I like about these weekends is is at the end of the weekends, people are actually beginning to consider the kinds of actions that we can take as a group and as a community to begin to make a difference. That's a wonderful place to jump in. I do have to, we need to take a break, Angelo, and I hope you'll just sort of hang with us while we do that. I'd be happy to. We're at uh, Sun FM 91.3 here in Sonoma. Uh, Ned Hoke with Angelo Druda. We're talking about the Tao of rejuvenation and other things. Please stay with us. We'll be back with you in just a moment. What your community can provide Tonight in on terms the town, of land on and the resources. 20. Hear and what's happening in Sonoma. Create surplus out of it. You don't try to expand. It's Ken Brown from the morning show. It's instead of uh, town, measurements Tuesday, like gross domestic product. Pray for you, sunshine you, today. We have so to we'll set have standards of maximum production. Well, I don't know what that's about, but whatever it's about isn't what we had in mind. So I guess we'll we'll skip that break. Um, Angelo, <laughs> <laughs> our machine seems to be uh, t- with two voices. Angelo, to sort of dig into your book, and and I I can't say enough of my deep, deep joy finding this book, Angelo. So it just is a tremendous gift because it's in a sense for me it's it's the it's the it's it's it like there's in the computers they have the the missing manual kind of you know the the, the missing manual series for for the uh, Apple computers there. <laughs> and and this is the missing manual uh, for for the topics that you're t- covering here and so it's uh, it's uh, something that I've hungered and, and, and yearned for. Not that I wasn't familiar with the topic myself, but that I wanted a, a way, a, a, a efficient way of handing somebody something that would, in it would that would invite them into the larger idea of health and healing. Exactly. And I think that you're. This is a, um, a magisterial work. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit about kind of what it, what was it in you that. Sort of what what that that sort of what bell went off in your little went off in your mind or in your soul or whatever it was that caused you to write this book. Well, you know, in my early education, it was your as I indicate in the book, it was your standard Western science pre medical kind of education. Right. And then I became interested in the Oriental medical systems, and I first began to practice Oriental medicine in Melbourne, Australia, years ago. Right. And I had a client come to me, long-term chronic condition, and she uh, underwent a dramatic and sudden healing and regeneration right on my treatment table. I wish I could tell you I knew in that moment exactly what had happened or even what I had done, but I had witnessed the human body's regenerative potential come to the surface, come to the front, in the midst of a very dark period in her health. And within hours, she was thoroughly rejuvenated. And the incident impressed me so much because I realized even when the body is at its darkest time, when it's weakest time, there is this regenerative potential there, latent, and it can be unlocked. And it turned me into a student of regeneration. Mm. And I began to find that there actually was a culture, a, a traditional cultures, really, people who specialized in bodily rejuvenation. Uh, I found these people in ancient Taoism. I, I found them in early Christianity. 
I, I found these people in the yoga traditions. And, of course, as you know, Ned, you find them in the medicine from China, Tibet, and India, people who really specialize in rejuvenating the body. And so having gone through that study, just as you said earlier, I really wanted to put it in a, in a manual. Uh, one reviewer said relative to the book, it's the operating manual for the human body. Right. And I wanted to put it in there and lay out the principles for the modern reader so people could just read those principles, understand them, and just by virtue of doing that, they would begin to start implementing them in their life. And, of course, the whole principle of the book is there is this profound regenerative potential. There are countless examples of people being dramatically and suddenly regenerated from the most horrific conditions. And it's important that we all know that. And it's also more important that we know some of the principles of how to magnify and unlock that potential. Well, that's, uh, that's well said, and as, to, to keep going with your words, I'll just read some. Also, rejuvenation does not have to be an arduous process, the product of a, of a select few. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Essentially, restoring our health is a matter of simply allowing the body to luxuriate in the native pleasure of existence. I mean, the book is filled with statements like that, and it's just, it's that that's turning so much of the rejuvenative uh, or restorative health projects on their ear. The idea that it can be a, 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 a simply a matter of allowing the body to luxuriate in the native pleasures of existence. I mean, what an idea that is. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's like, you mean we get to have fun? Oh my you mean God. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to be happy. Yeah. Well, now one of the things you talk about is you, that you talk about three grades of practice. And so very briefly, let's talk our listeners, to our listeners a little bit about what three grades of practices are about. Well, the three grades of practice comes from ancient Taoist teachings. Okay. And they, the ancient Taoists would look at everybody on planet Earth, and they saw three different categories of people potentially. The third grade person, and these were people who, uh, people who practice forms of bodily rejuvenation, so the third grade practice was people who lived right life. Uh, they practiced right diet, uh, and they would use the herbs that they found in the environment uh, to preserve their health. And these were called third grade practitioners. The second grade practitioners were people that uh, did all of those things, but they also practiced what they called esoteric uh, techniques and systems, which you know, Ned, as Qigong, and uh, they were basically forms of magnifying and circulating the life force, forms of magnifying the chi. It might involve breathing exercises. It might involve concentration. It might involve forms of conscious exercise like Tai Chi or Qigong. These were second-grade practitioners. And uh, so they were doing all the good things relative to the physical body, and then they were circulating the chi and the light in the body. And uh, there's a great tradition uh, that remains this day, and some very fine practitioners of things like Qigong in Northern California were blessed with uh, a wealth of these kinds of people around here. They also talked about a first-grade immortal. They didn't really identify any such people personally, but they talked about this first grade immortal who was so free uh, 
so gone and free in the light itself uh, that they may or may not do any kind of regenerative practice on behalf of the body. And when you read the the old Taoist texts, they're always ref- occasionally they'll just refer to this great first stage immortal. So I accounted for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of us uh, will be in the third or the second grade category. And uh, I just talk about different approaches for people who just feel like, hey, I don't want to have to do all these chi exercises. I don't want to have to do all of that. I point out to people just by making some basic changes in their diet, using some basic herbs, doing some basic exercises, and, and taking into account certain principles they can have a long and healthy life. Uh, if people are interested in these qi conducting exercises, and China had systems, as we talked about, the qigong, the yogis of India had systems they called pranayama systems and hatha yoga. These were all systems that were developed to circulate the life, the life force, subtler forms of energy, and uh, they're practiced all around the world today, and they have a uh, profound impact on health and longevity and the sense of well-being. So I laid that out in the beginning, hope, letting the reader know that wherever you fit into this category... There's room. There's room. I mean, if, you're, you know, if, you're, if there's a stage four where you're spending all your time in McDonald's, then the book probably will not have much impact for you. Uh you also are. This is a modern book. This is not only just a, a, a waltz through the old style. This is. You're also talking about living in a toxic environment. You quote Randall Fitzgerald in the Hundred Year Lie about the synthetic chemicals and the and the you know the the burden that the the, the current human form uh, is 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 laced with. But at the same time, you come. You you also say that the. And you also take on the the issue of like the sort of magical thinking that somehow some people. When they, when they listen to these old stories about the old immortals or whatever, and you say they're often presented as a kind of whitewashed, quasi-religious way that some, some higher external force in the language of re- rejuvenation is, is merely hopeful and inexact. But you say, in reality, we will see the body's healing system is very much energetic and chemical in nature, generating specific appropriate responses in order to heal and regenerate itself. So you, you again, you're very practical, and you, you, you pull the reader's attention into the, the reality of the potential of it, not only the sort of gauzy story of it. Well, good. I'm glad you feel that way because that was what I was attempting to do. I, look, I, I'm a, you know, I'm a product of my environment and of the time, and I was really writing to people much like you and I. Right. Uh, and you're right. We, we're living in a toxic environment. I mean, years ago, uh, human lifespan was compromised because of hygiene issues. And then we corrected some of these hygiene issues, and human lifespan took a jump. But we, are, we have a hygiene issue again. Right. We are once again pouring toxins and pollutants into our environment. And yes, we now live an average 75 years, and that's a tremendous leap over what it was in the past. I'm all, I also feel that if we can correct uh, this current hygiene problem, and it's extremely complex, and challenging, but if we can correct this current hygiene problem and take into account certain principles, 
And I think humanity really is at the point in history where we could see another great leap in our longevity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I think that many of us see that, and I think regretfully we fear it, because, of course, we know the old age is typically goes with infirmity and also just just the, the expense of maintaining our, our our my mother used to call it our carcass the, <laughs> you know uh, just to maintaining us into these very very old times if we don't have our health and well-being what's that going to look like and so for people to really come to grips with the potential of of you know living to quite you know late in late in years the 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 idea of being able to look at that with any hopefulness in terms of uh, quality of life that's the challenge we're facing today and i think one of the things that again one of the many things that you talk about successfully is that Human humans have been striving for the the source of profound rejuvenation for since time immemorial. You say, and you say that the that 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 many times these things were regarded as sort of ancient magics. But you're saying that rather than just magic, they are actual real, real things that we can do. So you again, you very carefully uh, uh, fillet out the the reality of the situation. And I think, and 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 you try to sort of politely uh, debunk or the, the feeling that you're talking about something that's impossible, you know, something that's just sort of, sort of a dream state rather than something that's really actual. Well, everybody, you know, everybody knows that the human immune system is a miraculous thing. We've all had the experience of being ill on Monday and then feeling completely better on Tuesday. Right. We take that for granted. But if you actually go back and, and do some research... You actually find out there are documented examples, and quite a lot of documented examples, of that potential being tremendously magnified. Mm. I mean, we even know. I mean, 10% uh, the cancer surgeon, Dr. Bernie Siegel from Yale, who was quite popular several years ago, would talk about extraordinary cancer patients that he worked with. There's a certain percentage of those people could turn around get cancer even in advanced stages. They could optimize the immune system so that that could be turned around. So you're right. I'm trying to bring that potential in because just knowing it, just knowing the potential is there, is actually empowering to the regenerative potential in the body. And and would you have a particular opinion as to why this this kind of perspective that you're offering, which I think is quite unique. I mean, I think that you're, you're threading a, 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 not lay, a not widely understood needle, if you will, because I, you, while you hear Bernie Siegel, and Bernie Siegel has been a guest on the show, actually, it wasn't that long ago, but while... I'm glad you, to hear he's still going. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, call, he called in from Connecticut, and he was, he's retired, but he's still, he's still got a very active mind. Excellent. Uh, but at any rate, these things are sort of over there somewhere. They're not the sort of things that are part of our, presumed to be part of our potential everyday existence, other than in very extraordinary uh, ways. But what you're, you're telling us is that by using uh, the, the techniques and the, the technology of, of that you're offering us a glimpse at in this book, one, that, that, that people can actually join this parade, that we can actually be a party to this, uh, this beneficial engagement, and and so you're sharing with us the steps, many of the important steps of. Uh, and so, t- 
what I'm curious about is, do you find, given when you've written, you've written a book like this, that's such a profound book, do you find that people are now coming to you as a teacher and you are then, in, in, a, in a larger sense, rather than playing just doctor, are you then, are you then teaching these, these projects? Well, you know, uh, a professor of Chinese medicine once said to me years ago that all doctors, all healers are fundamentally educators. Uh-huh. You're examining these patterns right. of disease in people. Right. Uh, you're not just merely giving them a medicine to take unconsciously, but you know, as a practitioner, that the best thing you can do is help them understand the pattern and also understand how they can begin to balance out and transcend that pattern. So in some sense, we are all, as clinicians, educators first, and we know those guys that just give you the medicine and don't talk to you, I mean, we know. We tend not to, not to admire them. Uh, we admire the people that are trying to help the client, the person, understand the root of the disease so that they can get control of that pattern of disease and eliminate it. Now, one, one, one part that you come into here that you say that, to get to go to your your words, say it so succinctly, so I'll just go there. He said, increasingly, the modern materialistic worldview in which there is nothing beyond the physical and where everything is fragmented in opposition to everything else is proving more and more false and destructive. Founded on a profound la- uh, lack of profound observation and enforced by cultural taboos, this materialistic worldview worldview, excuse me, is a belief system that that in denying the profound interconnectedness of everything effectively denies reality itself. I mean, I find that a very striking statement, and I find that so succinct in terms of holding that, holding a person's mind in terms of because the, the, this, this, this negative or this limited worldview that you point out, which is a busy arising from the, from the nature of our brain. You, you, you go on and you talk about how the, the modern view of life is perfectly understandable because uh, to present ourselves from being overloaded, our brain functions like a TV tuner, narrowing the chaos of light vibrations into a specific channel, et cetera, et cetera. So you're, 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 you're really helping us materialist human beings across the great divide into the world of wholeness, the world of whole world, that we're actually part of the universe, we're not separate from it. So say a little bit more about that in terms of how you use that in terms of your teaching of your patients, and you have a minute and a half to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, look, we now know, as, as we were talking on the weekend, the moon is not made out of green cheese, the earth is not a rock. Right. They were alive and light. Our scientists have already confirmed this. Our great spiritual realizers have been testifying to this. So the human body, the physical body, is just a mere tip of the iceberg. Medical systems that only acknowledge the physical in their treatment of people's ailments are tremendously limited. Medical systems that see the whole person and begin to understand that the health of the physical body is utterly dependent on the body's ability to participate with subtler forms of energy and ultimately light itself, those form of healing systems are better because they are holistic and they have much more of a capability of finding the root of the problem and changing it. The human body is just the tip of the iceberg. It's feeding on gross forms of food. It's also feeding on love and light and higher energies and all of those forms of nourishment must be 
they must function well for a person to be happy and, and healthy. You got it right in with it with that minute and a half. You did you did fantastically. Well, Angelo, it's a, such a treat to have you. And what I want I want you to give our listeners a chance to look at a website. Do they have a website they can go to to hear more about you or read more about you? People can go to my website, which is traditionalbotanicalmedicine.com. That's T for traditional, B for botanicalmedicine.com. TBmedicine.com. Uh, the book is The Tao of Rejuvenation. It's at bookstores everywhere, and it's on Amazon.com. And it, as I said to our listeners before you joined us, it, it, there's not a single rating above the top. So I, I'm, I'm with it, with all of them as well. I think it's a top book. I'm so happy to have you been with us today, actually. And what I'm hoping to do, Angelo, and it, I'm just making this up as I'm sitting here, but I, what I'm hoping is is that periodically we can have you coming back and maybe be able to dig a little deeper into this text so our listeners can get a real deeper taste. Would you might be willing to do that? I would be totally willing to do that. I'm so appreciative, Ned, I, for your help in this. Thank you so much. Great. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon. You take care, my friend. Okay. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. So that's our time with Angelo, and we'll take a little break here, and we'll be back with you in just a minute. Welcome back to Health Matters, Dr. Ned Hope. Now we're going to move on to, and we, by the way, we do want to thank Angelo for joining us, and he has written a tremendous book, and I was so glad he was able to spend some time with us, and I am hopeful that he'll be able to come back and share some of the larger stories of that book. Well, now we get a chance to talk to the folks from TaylorMade Farms, and uh, there's a this is a new company in town. They're just our, they're friends just down the street here, and so we wanted to have them come by. And when I uh, saw that uh, the president, Mark Inman, was going to do a presentation on coffee at the store, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. So upcoming, please welcome Andrea and Mark to Health Matters. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. So Andrea is the uh, store manager, I guess, and, uh, and Mark is the presidente. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... <laughs> It's a, such a novel environment when we, when for those of us who walk by and look in, and we kind of wonder, what's, uh, what are they doing in there? Because in a sense, it's, it, it, it's, it's a different kind of store. So maybe tell our listeners a little bit about what, what Taylor Made's intention is in that store, and, and explain the basic concept, if you would, the business, the business plan, if you not the business plan really, but the, the how it's how it's meant to operate. Sure. Well, the, the original we have a store that. Uh, 
been in Sebastopol for eight years, a retail store. And the concept has always been uh, quite simple. It's the original whole bean merchants that date back to the turn of the century. The original Starbucks was a, a bean store. It wasn't a coffee house like you know today. I see. Uh, Pete's through Alfred Pete was an original bean store. And uh, what we've what's happened is instead of the industry being a, a bean-based business, it's turned into a beverage-based business. Ah. And you've lost that expertise. I mean, pl- uh, coffee is an agricultural product. It's a plant. Right. It has its own individual terroir. It's got its own individual countries. It has thousands of varieties of plant varieties that are within the Arabica species. And nobody's talking about that. You can't walk into a local Pete's and say, what variety is this coffee from Siloasi? They have no idea. Mm-hmm. That's what we're focusing on with the made-at-home concept is teaching people at home that coffee has as much diversity as fine cheeses and fine wines and teaching them about how to do it great in the home. Wow. Wow. That sounds like a big a big project. How did you happen to get into this, Mark? Um, I've been in the business for 22 years. I started as an assistant winemaker in Oregon, Willamette Valley. I'm from here originally. From here? Yeah, from Sonoma County. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, was uh, hired as a judge in a coffee competition. And I didn't know anything about coffee. I just had a trained palate and became fascinated at the, the breadth and, and uh, diversity uh, that coffee has as a flavor profile. And as I learned more about it, I found numerous parallels to wine, how it's grown, how it's treated um, with f- organics, really our, our, our area of expertise, um, how much uh, chemical uh, agriculture is going on in coffee that's unnecessary. And so I, I decided to leave careers and get into coffee, and I never turned back. I mean, it's become my life. Wow, um, wow. So the class that we're doing on, on um, yeah, coming up is tasting uh, varieties from different countries, mm-hmm. different processing methodologies, and seeing a, a, a photo essay of life in these, these communities. What is it like to live in Lake Atilan, Guatemala, or Esteli, Nicaragua? Or, um, uh, so we're 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 going to go beyond the Juan Valdez image into a way in, beyond. In, yeah, <laughs> into, and the thing about coffee that's interesting is that, um, unlike wine, the, the, there's so many layers to it that is interesting. There's cultural. There's there's political. There's environmental. Well, don't be share, share some of that. Can give us a little taste of what this what some of those things are. I mean, so that our listeners might kind of get inspired to come and listen to your presentation, actually. Sure. Well, uh, coffee is the second most traded commodity in the world next to oil. It's the second most consumed beverage next to water in the world. So if you imagine the amount of money that flows worldwide due to coffee, it's staggering compared to software, compared to anything outside of oil. Wow. And what you have seen historically uh, is whether it's El Salvador, the skirmishes in 1991, or the Civil War in Nicaragua, Parts of Banda Aceh, Sumatra, the the actual ethnic wars that were going on pre-hurricane, um, the hurricane that hit there. Um, uh, parts of Africa, the Colombia with the drug war, the Shining Path of Peru. All of these skirmishes happen in the coffee-growing regions first and spill out into the country as a greater whole. So what happens in the coffee-growing regions is a great litmus test to the state of a country. And it's important in coffee communities that these that there is stability. I do presentations all over uh, the world about uh, the, why the right wing should be more concerned about organic and fair trade than the left wing and how many of the issues – Because that, of business stability, you mean? 
Well, for numerous reasons. If, if the right wants to win in the war on drugs, they should be paying fair trade prices to keep a stable, uh, to keep farmers growing coffee instead of growing alternative crops like coca and Seems coffee. reasonable. Seems reasonable. If yeah. you want to keep the Mexicans in Mexico, like they're, the new uh, you know, Arizona saying, we'll provide incentives and jobs in those countries. When we have corn subsidies in the United States and we wipe out the corn industry in Mexico, it shouldn't be a mystery why these people want to come here for opportunity. They don't want to rob the American dream. What they really want is the ability to feed themselves. Nobody wants to leave paradise in Costa Rica to come up here and be a dishwasher in a restaurant. They do that because they have no possibility, they have no options in their own country. So your talk will include some of these considerations. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. It's part part, uh, taste sensory and part me preaching on my soapbox. Okay, good. I I think it sounds great. Well, Andrea, come on forward to the microphone there and say a little bit about who you are and kind of what brought you to this kind of work. I mean, what, how does yeah. it you find yourself to be a, the manager of a coffee <laughs> s- store? Well, you know, I moved to Sonoma County um, about four years ago, and okay. I found TaylorMade Farms right away because of the coffee can, because it was a locally roasted product, ah. and I had studied um, environmental studies in college, and so I was already very interested in all the ideas related to um, industrial ecology and green business, and um, I was very, very interested in organic and fairly traded coffee, and so I... So politically, it was very very appropriate for you, <laughs> and as, as well as maybe yeah. you like coffee, I mean... Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. It was... Yeah. It was um, yeah, it went hand in hand with for me, and so uh-huh. I became a customer, and um, and then I became an employee. And um, I started out working in the retail store about three and a half years ago, and mm-hmm. um, I um, began operating a, a farmers market for TaylorMade Farms, and started because there's a, there's a lot of tie-ins between you know the farmers market concept and what we're doing. We're doing. Um, a lot of coffees that are single origin, like Mark was saying, from particular places, particular varietals, and the farmers market is a great venue for that. So I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. So people want to come and they want to ask questions about those types of things, and for coffee, it gives them a little bit more um, ability to be in touch with that. So mm-hmm. I started doing that, and um, and then over time, I just got more and more excited about everything that the business was doing, and so um, when we decided that we were going to uh, open up another store that you know would be just like the one in Sebastopol. Um, I got really excited about that too. So right, so here you yeah. are, and now you've so been in you've been in the store now. And wait, what's your address over there? One twenty two West Napa Street. So you're just about three doors down from us, mm-hmm. and actually toward the <laughs> plaza. So we're yeah. you are really truly our neighbors. Mm-hmm. So so how did you happen to choose that location? I mean, did talk tell us a little bit about that. How did that come together? Um, that was uh, I. I'd, Identified long time ago that Sonoma was ripe for us for expansion, and uh, have had my eye on the square for quite some time, and was looking for an appropriate um, place. Most of our store, our, our existing store, is much smaller in square footprint than this one. Uh-huh. So when I found this building, it was too big, too much of a wreck. Everyone that was from here said, you can't really want that building. <laughs> and I saw a lot of potential in that building and uh, and was excited that it was the old homegrown bagels, which meant at one time it was a community hub. Absolutely. Um, it was a community hub for those of us who right. remember homegrown bagels, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So if you have that, that's the stuff of a great business yeah. location. Yeah. And then I found out that there was redevelopment monies available here to rehab that building. Oh, good. So, you know, Ken Brown, who I've been on his show a handful of times now. Oh, great. Uh, was very instrumental in in, um, in helping me. As he would yeah. be, yeah. As he would be. Yeah, and exactly. So if it wasn't for that, we 
probably would not have taken that particular location. I still would have been in Sonoma, probably not there. Mm. Um, because of the size, we are now going to we're roast in the store as well, and we'll teach classes on roasting at home and things like that as so well. So people are really going to be able to dip their toes into this pretty deeply in terms of the... the in other words, it's one thing to be, sort of do wine tasting or sure. coffee tasting, and you get you sort of one, you find, you find one right. you kind of like, and then you kind of get on with it. But what, what you're really creating is an Epicurean Absolutely. potential, which will make it possible. In other words, you, you can be a, um, uh, a tourist... Uh, focus that then you can probably draw a whole. I would imagine you'd be able to right. draw a fair amount of tourist business as well as just those people who really have that that delicate palate. Sure. Are no delicate, but they organize palate around mm-hmm. you know unique tastes. So maybe for our listeners who may not have a, any kind of deep feeling that coffee really mm-hmm. offers the potential that mm-hmm. you're suggesting it offers, entice them a little bit. What? what sure. Uh, well, I, I would say. Uh, this as well, that while the tourism traffic here is nice, it's not our target market. Our target market are locals. Right, I recognize that. In Sebastopol, almost, I would say, almost 100% of our customer base lives in the town, and they come there multiple days a week. It's it's not only a, a town center for learning about coffee it's also a political a place to talk about issues and it, it is during the election time we're as active as any polling center uh, um, but um, f- you know some of the classes we'll be doing uh, really is on the exploration of pl- uh, the coffee plant as a botanical variety have you noticed the front of the building has the large botanical up front of the coffee plant right we have these cutout panels in front we're really talking about the agricultural aspect or coffee is an agricultural product mm-hmm. and understanding first varietal differences First country differences, why Juan Valdez of Colombia versus Costa Rica or El Salvador? Or when people say, I love Kona, do you really? Let's do a blank table of taste here, and I guarantee you, you don't love Kona. <laughs> I guarantee you, you prefer El Salvador. But El Salvador conjures up violent images for you, whereas Kona's right. romance and, you know, I made love on a beach and all this great stuff. <laughs> so, you know, understanding why you pick what you pick is, is emotional as much as it is taste. So let's take the emotion out. Let's look at taste and breaking it down. Things like you can roast coffee in your home. The real fact is you can produce better coffee in your home cheaper than you can by going out. If you were to uh, brew coffee in your home every day, if you drink one cup a day, I don't know how many coffee, I don't know if you even drink coffee. If you drink one cup of coffee a day, you can save $550 a year by brewing it at home in your mug, which is a more personal than a paper cup and a plastic lid and packaged sugar and, you know, God knows what other stuff you're putting in there. The junk, yeah. You can control all that in your own home and do a right. better job. I mean, mm-hmm. the Food Network is very successful by saying you can actually cook these high-quality foods in your kitchen. And you had people investing $10,000 in a home stove, which is unnecessary or buying great knives because they realize it's yes i can do it for economic reasons but it's also pleasurable to prepare food at home right and coffee's the same way well i think and i as i, as I look at your product line i mean mm-hmm. you're not only having the beans but you're also having the equipment to, the, to, to, to do what you're saying right. so, so so that as well the, as the education and for the, the for repair the, for the coffee the coffee would-be person who who wants to sort of make that jump from going from you know, just rushing into Whole Foods and getting a right. quick cup of joe uh, to being able to become involved in the culture of coffee. You're, right. you're really offering them a kind of a one-stop shop for that whole True. world of things. So as a, as a, as a pr- business matter, mm-hmm. 
where how how big can this get i mean for you what do what do you see is in the in the biggest picture that might be how how do you see yourself i mean are you going to intend to stay relatively small or do you hope just to just to keep growing and getting bigger and well t- taylor made the the parent companies our goal is to be a, a regional brand uh-huh. that's what, that's our entire goal so uh-huh. we're a regional brand the made at home concept would be within uh, Northern California where we are appropriate. Certain mm-hmm. audiences are going to gravitate towards this model and certain uh, towns aren't. Right. Um, but we have no higher aspirations than that. I worked for large uh, coffee companies before, and where most of them went wrong is by trying to be too much to too many people. Well, and really right now what's happening is you have a real um, explosion in regionality in the coffee business. Hmm. That right now the, the national companies and international companies, Starbucks and Pete's, and uh, they're under the gun to try to look and feel as local as they can because there's, so, there's great coffee all over the United States now, again, like there was in the 30s. The 30s was a real coffee renaissance as well. Uh-huh. So um, there's no reason to get beyond that. And there's, uh, there's something to be said about come to Sonoma and taste our brand of coffee rather than who's saying come to Sonoma and let's look at our Walmart or come to Sonoma and let's look at our Target store. Nobody cares about that. We want to be regionally relevant. Um, and uh, uniquely, how we've been funding our growth is by conducting town hall meetings, and we've been funded by the community. So Sebastopol, during the height of the economic meltdown, was offered an 8% annual return for five years on an investment as low as $1,000 to build this store. And we received a, an award for economics for that idea of a community-fueled a company that we are going to grow as much as the community believes that we can grow. And the day the community says, "Hey, you guys are big enough," then we're done. So it's taking the pulse of you. You have n- you are now empowered as an investor and as an, a resident to say what you want in your community and what you don't want. Well, if nobody funded me, I wouldn't have been here. Well, Mark, it's uh, so much pleasure to have you and join you. Well, welcome you to Health Matter. Welcome you to Sonoma. I'm glad you know that you you were you know you've obviously been part of the Ken Brown world yes. as well, but. For this show and for this to this time, we're thanks for coming for us today. We'll be back with uh, probably we'll have more things. So again, this upcoming thing one more time is that the teaching thing that's coming. What's the date again? And Thursday, June third. And what's going to happen and exactly? It's going to be a tasting flight of coffees from Central America, uh-huh. and it is the season for that. And then Mark's going to be doing a slideshow and presentation on those regions and uh, what's going on there. And is this a cost thing, or is there, is there a price, or is it a freebie, or what? It's absolutely free to the public. Absolutely free to the public. Well, yeah. doesn't get better than that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Mark and Andrea from um, Taylor Made Farms, just down the street at one twenty two West Napa Street. Yes. Thanks for joining us today. Thank, Thank you. you, Ned. And uh, that's it for Health Matters. If you cannot pacify your spirit, you let your mind be complicated with desires and worries, your disease will not be cured. To be healthy, you must avoid anger and worry. Keep your mind happy, your heart at ease, and your desires at low levels. That's the guidance of the Yellow Emperor's Classic of Internal Medicine. And our Health Matters motto is, health care isn't a noun, it's a verb. Tune us in again next week. Thanks again for joining us again. We'll always have good guests. We're always interested in your uh, uh, thoughts and comments. So please tune us in again. We'll see you then.